that God loves you. And sometimes we don't understand that because the world has kind of um, complicated what love actually looks like. Because sometimes we think love is getting what we want, never getting in trouble, not having responsibility. As we were worshiping, um, I was just thinking about, so last Sunday when my grandson came home from church, I said, what was the story? And it was the story of the wise man who built his house on the rock and the foolish man built his house on the... I was thinking all my life I thought, oh, that guy didn't know Jesus and then his life fell apart. And you know what? It's not that... It doesn't have to be that contrasting. Maybe the guy who built his house on the rock had the heart and head knowledge of the Father. And the guy who built his house on the sand, maybe he knew Jesus but thought that God's love was only when everything went the way he went. And when, when a trial came, when something hard happened, his house fell apart. And so we have to prepare you guys to understand what love really looks like, okay? So, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 8. Anybody know it by heart? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Was this someone's Bible verse this week? Let's go. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So who do we love? Different kinds of love. Where does it come from? I love my mom, Jeannie Day. She's super cool. She's 79, and she still plays soccer in the backyard with her great-grandkids. And she is... Um, she is feisty. You guys would love her, right? So I love my mom. I love my family. I have a daughter who's 31, a son who's 29. Someone, kindergartner was like, how old are you? Well, I'm 57. I'll be 58 this year, right? I have a daughter-in-law named Taylor, a son-in-law named Nico. I have four grandsons. I have one granddaughter, and I have a, like three-quarters of a grandson because he's still cooking in the oven, right? I love them. I love them so much. Um, I have a dog that I love, George. He's super cool. He's a half lab, half corgi. He's a corgador. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. And I've had him for 13 years. Mm, his time is coming to the end, but I love him. He's been with me for 13 years, right? So I love my dog. Um, I love my job. Everybody's like, oh, you have a hard job. And I'm like, maybe, but because I love it so much, it doesn't seem that hard. I love my students. I hope that each and every one of you knows how deeply I love you. And if the Father is speaking lies over you and saying, yeah, she doesn't really care about me, that's a lie. Each and every one of you is special to me, and I love you, and I want what's best for you, and I want you to fall madly in love with Jesus, okay? But love is not always about warm feelings from people. We're going to talk about how God showed his love in some very unique ways, right? So my son's name is Noah. That's not who we're talking about today. We're talking about Noah in the Bible. And in Genesis 6, 8 through 9, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless among all of the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. So God loved Noah, right? We get that? And God tells Noah, what does God tell Noah? Like, you don't have to speak just like the father, like, but what does he tell him? Noah, you're cool? Got good-looking kids? What does God tell Noah? Yes, Grayson. Okay, say it again. I'll build an ark because it's going to rain. It's going to rain. Never rained. 
And he said, I love you. I'm going to protect your family. You are the only one of all the people that are being um, obedient to me and following me. So I'm going to send a flood. So he told Noah to build an ark. And it's a really big ark, right? So it takes a really long time, like really long. How long did it take? How long? Ish? Three, four years? More than a week, right? So he worked on this ark for a long time. And as he was working on it, I always assume that people are, like, giving him a hard time for it. Like, dude, what are you doing with your time, right? Like, what are you doing? And um, he said, well, the Lord, God's going to send a flood. He's going to send the rain. And they're like, what does that even mean, water falling from the sky? Like, I'm going to send a flood. So here's the thing. Um, did God love Noah? Did Noah love God? Did God give Noah an ark? No. He said, build an ark. As a matter of fact, he gave him specific directions as far as how to build it. So here's the first thing that I want you to understand. Love sometimes looks like people asking you to do hard things, people asking you to do hard work. Could God have given Noah the ark? Oh, you're, yeah, the littles are like, no. And I'm like, wait, what? God can do anything. Yes. He could have said, here's the ark. This is where you're going to put your family in, and I'm not sure why, because I don't have the mind of God, why he asked him to work on something for three years. Boys and girls, some of you don't even want to work on something for three minutes. You're like, I'm so hard, I don't want to do this. Uh, Three math problems. (laughs) I can't believe I have so much homework, right? Oh, my teacher, she doesn't love me. Your teacher loves you so much. Listen, your teacher loves you so much that she wants you to get ready for the next grade. Because if she doesn't, the bottom's going to fall out. Your house is going to fall. So, listen. It's a metaphor. Listen. When people ask you to work hard at something, the enemy will come in and say, but if he loved you, he wouldn't ask you to work that hard. Your coach your teacher, your principal, your mom, your dad, your grandma, if they're going to love you the way God wants you to be loved, they're going to ask you to do hard things. That's what love looks like. And you're like, "Mm, I don't think I signed up for that. Yes, you did. So some of you need to go back to your parents today and say, I'm so sorry. Thank you for loving me so well and asking me to do really hard things. Okay, so that's Noah. Sometimes love looks like asking you to do really hard work for a really long time. Got it? Got it? Okay. Moving on to Father Abraham. Last year we sang that, I mean last week we sang that song and every time we do it I almost have a heart attack. Like I'm not a spring chicken, right? So I'm tired. But what do we know about Father Abraham? What do we know about him? Yes, but how did, when, how, yes, yes. They're so old, so old. Raise your hand if you've ever wanted something really bad and you've had to wait a really long time for it. And you're, John Bodo, are you willing to share what it is you waited for? Oh, yes, yes. And how did you feel when you finally achieved that? very excited and you waited a long time. Who else has waited for something a long time? Sea line To come back here. And you had to work hard. 
while you're away, right? So you get it a little bit more than most. How did you feel when you were like, yes, I'm coming back here? Really excited. Okay, we'll do one more. What else did we wait for for a very long time? Yes. Oh, keep waiting. It's going to happen. If it's good for you, yes. Um, I waited a very long time for a dog. Yes. Did you get one? Yeah. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Just the blessing just keeps happening. Were you so excited? Oh, my goodness. Okay, put your hands down. I'm going to tell you something. The longest thing I've ever prayed for was um, when my daughter was born, I started praying for her spouse. I started praying for God to bring a godly man for my daughter to marry. And, boy, I wish you could have seen me on their wedding day. I, I don't think my feet touched the ground the whole time. Because Nico, he's a really cool guy, but you know what? He loves my daughter as Christ loved the church. So for 23 years, I prayed for that. That's the longest I've ever prayed for something, right? Same thing with my son and his wife, Taylor. Prayed for a long time. So here's the thing. Abraham prayed, Sarah prayed, and, and they're like, you're old, you're going to have a kid. And they're like, well, I don't know how that's, I'm so old. Like, oh, just, it's hard, Right? So God gives them a kid, a son, and what's his name? Everybody? Isaac. Isaac. Excellent. So they have Isaac, and I'm sure they're just over the moon. They're like, thank you, God, for Isaac. Yes, it's your promise. You're so faithful. They're like, yes, right? And then, <laughs> this is a hard one for me. Then what does God say to do with Isaac? Sacrifice him on an altar like he's a sheep. Right? Back then in the Old Testament, when you sinned, what did you have to do? To make sacrifice. I always say a pigeon because I feel like that's the only thing I could kill. So anything that has fur, I'd be like, mm, I better be really good because I'm not killing that sheep. He's so cute, right? Where's my rawhide ranch people? Yeah, I'm not killing those sheep, right? So listen, God tells Abraham to go sacrifice Isaac on the altar. And they're going, and they're going out to the mountain, and Isaac says, where's the sacrifice? Like, where's the pigeon? Where's the ram? And God tells Isaac, God will provide, and he's faithful. He literally gets Isaac up on the altar to kill him, to sacrifice him, because that's what God is asking. He doesn't question God, right? And then what happens? Then what happens? Yeah, cause. Yep. Yep. <laughs> In comes a ram. He says, get your son off the altar. Thank you for being obedient. Listen. Sometimes love looks like having to do hard things. Sometimes love looks like sacrificial love. You have to sacrifice to do things. Right? I am not God, clearly. Nor am I Abraham. But a part of me wonders if God asked Abraham to do that because maybe God was loving Isaac and the gift from the father as much as he loved the father. Sometimes I have prayed for things or God has given me something. Listen, and I love it more than I love God. How do I know I love it more than I love God? Because I spend more time with it because I think about it more than the father. So God's like, I'm going to take that from you because you need to love me first. 
sacrificial love is not fun. Boys and girls, your parents sacrifice so that you can come to this school, right? Your parents will ask you to sacrifice. Your teachers will ask you to sacrifice. Sacrifice means laying down your own needs and desires and wants and doing what someone else needs. So when your teacher says, can you please share that with your classmate? And you don't say, it's mine, I don't want to. Nope. It's not theirs, it's mine. Sacrificial love. When your mom or dad says, I need you to go and clean up, and you're like, your response is not, boys and girls, listen, your response is not, I did not make that mess. Because that wasn't the question. You don't want to clean the mess. But sacrificial love is, I'm going to go do that even if I don't feel like it, because that's what my mom and my dad are asking me to do. So sacrificial love is not warm and feel good, right? Your teachers love you in a sacrificial way. Your teachers work many, many, many more hours than what they are required to. Your teachers pray for you. Your teachers ask you to do hard things. Your teachers encourage you, hold you accountable. They sacrifice for you, your parents, your teachers, your brothers and sisters. We are called to sacrificial love because he loves us in a sacrificial way. So sometimes love is doing really hard things, working hard at something with all your heart as is working for the Lord. Sometimes it's sacrificial, right? Now we're going to talk about Jesus. You knew that was coming. Can't talk about love without Jesus. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is the ultimate sacrificial love. Jesus, who was in heaven. Heaven, which there's really no words to describe how awesome heaven is. He left heaven to come here. I'm thinking that's sacrificial enough, right? Without even the cross involved. You left heaven and came to earth. Boys and girls, when I go to heaven, I'm not coming back to earth. I tell my family all the time, if I'm dying and on my way to heaven and you do something to keep me alive, I'm going to be so mad at you. Do not bring me back here. I want to go be with the Father. I want to sit in the house of the Lord, right? So Jesus comes down and then... He gets on the cross for my sin, for your sin. And here's what I want everybody to understand today. Because y'all are really good kids. People are like, ooh, you're an elementary principal. That sounds awful. I said, oh, my gosh, you don't know my students. They're so amazing. They're so amazing. They're smart. They work hard. They're funny. They're athletic. They're kind to one another. But listen, I don't tell this to them, but you're all wretched. You're all wretched sinners. So if anybody is sitting in here thinking that Jesus did not have to get on the cross for them, I want you to remember your rottenness, your awfulness. Because here's what happens. Here's what happens when we get filled up with, I'm pretty good. It's called moralism. 
and I'm good. I don't do this. I don't do this. I don't. Great. doesn't matter. You sin. Some of you, even while I'm up here, are talking, fooling around with the person next to you, and I'm like, that's a sin. You're being disrespectful. You're like, well, it's not murder. It's not, but it's still sin. We all sin. And when we walk around thinking I'm good, we start thinking I'm better than somebody else in my class. But I need the blood of Jesus. You're a pretty great kid. Okay? Just listen. I love how you love your friends. I love how you make everybody around you a better person. I love how you include people. It's amazing. But you still need Jesus, right? Because you sin. You're not perfect, right? And yes, I, and you know what? Because you know that, you have a humble spirit. We have to be humble and consider others better than ourselves. You're wait, what? I'm not going to consider people better than me. We'll be equal, but not better. No, consider your, consider your friends and classmates better than you because that will keep you humble and remind you that you need a savior. It's hard when you're so awesome. But just remember, you're wretched. You're like, well, this is a uplifting. You are. But you don't need to sit in that because that's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why the blood was shed. We all need a savior. So Jesus humbled himself and thought, others, thought more of others than himself and got on the cross. And boys and girls, I love the part of that story where he says to his father, God, our father, my papa, he says, if there is any other way, take this cup from me. Because here's the thing. It really hurt him. He was man. He was in a body. So when they stabbed him and beat him and whipped him and put thorn, crown of thorns on his head, that hurt him physically. When they spit on him and they mocked him and they teased him, that hurt him emotionally. So I'm not asking you to do hard things and not say, oh, this is going to be really hard because my Savior didn't do that. But he didn't whine about it, and he still did it. So love... Real love from the Father, real love from one another, a different love than the world tells us, because the word will tell you, if someone loves you, it's going to be all rainbows and unicorns. I encourage you to get a friend that speaks truth into your life. I've been going through a hard season, and the Lord has brought me a very special friend who speaks truth to my life, not just like, oh, it's going to be okay. She's like, I think you need to read this. You should listen to this. You need to see this verse. How about this? What is the Father saying about this? And I'm like, just tell me it's going to be okay. No, I don't want that kind of friend. Allow your friends to speak truth into you and say, you know, I just, I, I just, I think you need to humble yourself. If you're sitting at a table with a lot of people and there's someone sitting by themselves and you're like, oh, let's invite them over and everybody says no. You get up and go sit with that person. Sacrificial, hard things, that's love. So today, I want you to think about it all day. 
I want you to go home and tell your parents, thank you for loving me the way God has instructed you to love me, not giving me everything I want, making me work hard for things. And when I become obsessed with something, whether it's video games or books or whatever, and you see that it's taking the place of the father in my life, you take it away from me and you get me back on track. You need to go home and thank your parents. You need to love and thank your teachers. And you need to love one another humbly, sacrificially. That's the kind of school God wants us to be. That's real love. Not chocolate and flowers. Those are beautiful expressions. But you have to know it here. You have to know that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of the Father. If I lost everything today, boys and girls, last thing and then we'll pray. Please stay with me. Just like Job, he lost everything. If I lost my kids, if I lost my grandkids, if I lost, lost my job, which I don't even know what I would do all day, I'd probably still come to work and they'd make me leave. If I lost my job, if I lost my dog, if I lost my parents, if I lost my house, if I lost my car, if I lost everything, I would be exactly the same because I have not lost the love of the Father. There is nothing that can shake me because I know in my head, the world will tell me in my heart, if God loved you, he wouldn't do that. That's not my God. He already did something that no one will ever do for me. He sent his son to die on the cross for me. That's enough. Everything else is cookies, icing on the cake. I want you to know that. I want you to know how deeply the Father loves you. Not because of good grades. Not because of, you know, I'm a great athlete. No. Because he created you out of love. And he doesn't know how to not love. God doesn't know how to not love. Wouldn't that be awesome? To know how to not love? Because I'm pretty good at that too when someone irritates me. All right. Work hard, sacrificial, humble yourselves. Let's pray. Let's leave different than we came in. Here we go. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for today. God, I thank you that you are the creator, the author, the perfecter of love, that you are our role model, that all these images and things that these kids have swirling around them, that tells them that this is what love is, Lord. I just pray that you would give them wisdom that goes beyond their years, that they would debunk the lies and say, no, that is not the way the Father loves. My parents ask me to do hard things because they love me. My parents take things away because they love me. My teachers have great expectation for me because they love me, because, God, that's the way you love us. God, I pray for, for humility to be thick in this room and for each student here to think of their classmates better than themselves. God, what would this place look like if we walked that out on a daily basis? God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Help us to have a day full of love celebrating you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This episode has been a production of the Capistrano Valley Christian Schools Podcast Network. Capistrano Valley Christian Schools is a Christian JK-12 school in San Juan Capistrano, California. Be sure to check out, subscribe to, and leave a review of this show and the other shows on our network on your podcast player of choice. Doing so supports the school community in a multitude of ways. For more information about the CVCS Podcast Network or any of our other shows, check out cvcs.org or email podcasts at cvcs.org. On behalf of the whole network, this is Mr. Jasper saying thank you again for listening and stay tuned for more.